Hello, and welcome back to the Alliance podcast, Continuing Conversations. My name is Don Harting, and I'm a member of the Alliance Peers section. I call myself a CME writer, and by that I mean I develop needs assessments and instructional content for continuing education in the health professions. Generative artificial intelligence, or Gen AI, is making quite the impression across many industries, including our own. Uh, it's been a popular discussion topic among the Alliance uh, members of the Alliance Peers section, so much so that we're collaborating with the Almanac and the Alliance podcast to host a mini-series focused fully on generative AI. We've invited three experts and enthusiasts to cover its use in developing needs assessments and business proposals. That was the first episode. Uh, developing content, that was the second episode. And in this, our third episode, we're going to be focusing on using Gen AI in producing and analyzing outcome reports. We heard previously from Andy Krim and Alex Housen in that order. Today, in the final installment of this mini-series, we're sitting down with my friend Greg Salinas, who is president of CE Outcomes. Greg will share with us how AI can be used, or not, in producing and analyzing outcome reports. Greg, welcome to the Alliance podcast. Thanks, Don. Happy to be here. Greg, could you please tell our listeners a bit about who you are, what you do in your day job, uh, and how you became interested in the general field of CME, CPD in the first place? Sure. Well, I, I got started in my career in academia, actually. I came out of uh, a university with a PhD in molecular pharmacology, worked in a lab for a few years decided I didn't really like it and started to look for other things. My background is mostly in neurophysiology, brain receptors, how uh, how we learn, how we interact with the world, um, and, and started to look around for something else in that field and got introduced to uh, the CE Outcomes Group. It happened, happened to be in my town. So um, I, I started working there as an analyst and got really started in understanding the CME world, the outcomes world. You know, we like to say often in our industry that no one's really trained for CME. No one's really trained in outcomes specifically of CME. You know, to a degree, we're all kind of making it up as we go. So it was it was, uh, it was, a good fit for me. I, I liked it. My day-to-day -day work has changed uh, since then, um, mostly involved in, in helping groups uh, understand their outcomes. Um, my day-to-day -day is a little different from day-to-day. -day. So, you know, whether I'm working with supporters of education, providers of education on understanding their target audience, understanding how people learn, understanding where they go for their education to, to how they're putting that education into practice, um, different different ways to do that. that. That's kind of what I do. Okay, super, thanks. Uh, and then getting more specific on the um, Gen AI piece, can you tell us a little bit if there's a story about how you became, how you got started using Gen AI in your outcomes work to the extent that you are? Well, this is kind of interesting because I think this weekend was the one year anniversary of uh, ChatGPT. So it's really we really started to become interested in this probably as it as everyone did probably in the spring of this year as it started to really become oh hey this is the next new thing this is on the horizon look what this thing can do what can it do to help us in our day-to-day -day jobs i think you know even being at the ais conference this year uh you know there are people talking about gen ai um there are a few sessions that i 
agreed and disagreed with on how they use it. You know, I think once you uh, sometimes a little frustrated with people saying that, oh, well, you can just use Gen AI for everything. You can just, you know, ask it to do something and it'll do it. And they're like, well, have you actually tried it? Have you tried doing that? It doesn't work like that. Uh, so, so in, in, you know, we kind of came back um, from that meeting and, and we're talking about that. And, you know, I didn't like, and then they started trying some things and like, yeah, it doesn't really do exactly what you want there. Um, so what, but what can it do? And, and I think we're kind of on that burgeoning horizon of, you know, everything, there's a lot of things that can be done and it will start to be done in the future, but maybe we're not quite there yet. Okay. Before we get down at the micro level, let's stay at the, the macro level just a little bit longer. And Greg, could you please tell us a little bit more about the importance of outcomes reporting and analysis generally within the world of accredited CME CPD and the, the work of all of us who find ourselves active in this niche? Yeah, so I've been in this industry a little more than 15 years now, and it certainly is different than where it was when I first started. Um, it seems like for a while and, and for years, uh, CME CPD has kind of had this field of dreams model where, you know, you build education, people will come and they'll learn. And uh, by definition, education is is good and productive. That's great. And, and I do agree with that. However, it's hard to know exactly what is happening. And, you know, all education isn't necessarily built alike. And I generally think that, that people who are involved in outcomes should be appreciated more. They're, they're often the, the low person on the totem pole sometimes, you know, putting out these reports and trying to understand what's going on out there. But how else do you know that what you're putting together as far as education is working in the real world? Um, how do you know um, how to translate uh, the success of education to key stakeholders within your organization? These are the things that the, the people that help develop these outcomes reports and work on these outcomes reports can, can do. Okay, great. In a recent email exchange that you and I had, you shared your perspective that AI and outcomes work is currently lacking. Uh, you did say that there are a few things in the qualitative realm that it does okay. If I remember, it had something to do with filtering or summarizing, but it seems to fall short in the quantitative realm. Can you say a little bit more about what you had in mind? Yeah, so when we think about Gen AI, I think we typically start with um, programs like ChatGPT. And for ChatGPT, it almost has two tiers. You've got the, the free version and then you've got the paid version. And those tiers are very different in how they work with outcomes. If you're just working with the free, you know, open AI ChatGPT, I think it's three point something now, I don't know, maybe 3.5, but um, it, it'll do some qualitative work for you. You can put in, say, a list of items. Maybe you had a list of responses to something like, you know, what kinds of education do you want in the future? Um, you know, how would you approach something? It can basically sort uh, those, those responses by theme. But if you, you've got to remember that this isn't really more intelligent than, than word association. It, it, it knows kind of what words go together. It can kind of do a little bit of that. It has trouble making connections between themes. And sometimes it'll even, you know, if you have, say, a list of, or you might be even give it a give a, a group of learners a case and have them understand the differential diagnosis. Like how would you differentially diagnose this patient? Um, it'll list a bunch of things or, or, or theme them together from that list, but it doesn't necessarily know that 
say Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis are also I, IBD. It, it doesn't really, it, it has a hard time making that connection. So you have to kind of go through and make sure that it's appropriately themed. And, you know, and, and but if you start working on the, the, the top tier, the, the paid for tier, it does a little bit more. The, the free tier, again, doesn't do any type of uh, quantitative analysis. It, it, it won't look at your data. It says it will. It says it does a great job at it. But then you, you ask, you know, for instance, well, let me upload a file. It's like, well, I, don't, I can't, you can't upload a file. So, so, so I think if you pay for it, then it can, and it can do a little bit uh, there. So I think there, there is some things there. I think it's just to be aware that using the, the, the free basic version, it, it won't do any quantitative analysis. Okay. What about the issue of uh, feeding an artificial intelligence platform with data that be, could be considered proprietary? And yeah, that, that is an issue. That. And I think there are some features within some of those uh, chat GPT, et cetera, that, that say, please don't, you know, use my data for anything. But I think that's something you have to be aware of anytime that you're uploading any data is, is to make sure that there's no identifiable information. There's, you know, be, be aware that if what you're putting out there could possibly go to open source, it could possibly just put be put on the web. So if you're okay with that, if you're okay with having that data um, out there, if you were just publishing it on a website, then it's it's fine. But just be aware that that it is not, I wouldn't say that it is completely uh, uh, confidential. Okay. So it, it sounds like, I mean, an inference that I would have for myself there is if I'm working for a client, uh, I certainly need to have the client's permission to upload raw data to an artificial intelligence uh, platform before I do so, uh, so that it uh, can be analyzed coming back. Yeah, I, I think so. And, you know, I'm not familiar with every particular application. Um, I think that, um, uh, but but for the most part, you know, if, if you can click that, I think that helps, you know, that, that option that says, you know, don't use my data. But you mm -hmm. never really know, you know. I I certainly don't read every user agreement to know exactly how they're using all that data. So, um, I would I would be very careful about that. Being an Alliance member has its perks, from discounts to industry leading events like the Alliance Annual Conference, to members only access to the Alliance communities. The Alliance is where healthcare CPD professionals come to learn. Visit acehp.org to join today. Well, I think you've just answered uh, or started to answer my next question, which is uh, what are some of the lessons you've learned so far using Gen AI for outcomes work? Uh, any mistakes you might have made or frustrations you've endured or other lessons that you've learned that you'd like to share with our listeners to this episode? Yeah, so we've talked a little bit about what's available with the free versions. And, you know, the free versions are good to try things out. Again, I think it does a great job with qualitative data and maybe summarizing some things. Uh, it does an okay job with uh, making themes out of lists and organizing some themes. Um, there might be a little challenge if you take those and you want to do something with them. For instance, you want to, you know, classify them as a new variable and see, you know, maybe maybe there's there's different groups that may respond to these variables differently, it's it's hard sometimes to get the data out of there back into your systems. There are always hallucinations with these Gen AIs where, you know, it starts going down a road and you're like, what's what's happening there? I've noticed that especially in, I think like references, you know, you ask for maybe some references around a topic. 
oftentimes, at least with the free versions, those aren't true. You have you have to double check everything there. Sometimes I think in the theme categorizations, there's some hallucinations. So for me, with at least with with the free versions, I feel like I've got to check everything that it's accurate. Now, if I have to check everything that is accurate, then I could have just done that work in the first place, mm-hmm. and it probably would have taken me less time. Mm-hmm. Um, so so there's you know I think we're getting there, but but I don't completely trust all of it that's coming out of it, at least for, to be, to be comfortable enough in outcomes right now. Right now, I think it's, AI is very powerful. I think there's a lot of hype. I don't know that uh, there's a lot it can do that a, uh, that a experienced, you know, data scientist could do quicker and, and easier and uh, more competently. Okay. The one other thing I just want to mention, yeah. um, is, is sometimes too much data can shut it down completely. Like we, we've, we've even in the, the paid version, you know, you put up a, a good data set and it's not so many like the rows, but if it has more than say 10 or so columns of different kinds of variables, sometimes it's just like, well, I can't, I can't do anything with this. And so you've got to be very careful about that too and, and how you're, you're putting the data there so it doesn't completely shut it down or lock it up. And when you're feeding it that data, are you feeding it an Excel spreadsheet or a Word yeah, document? Can or be, what, mm-hmm. what are you feeding it? It, it, so it depends. So if you've got an Excel spreadsheet that that has worked, I think if you're okay. working on other types of systems, you know, if say you've got SurveyMonkey, you probably need to like put it into an Excel sheet. Um, I'm okay. not really sure how it interfaces with some of that. I know things like doesn't really work well with with SPSS, or even I'm not I'm not sure how it works with Word either. Okay. Are there any specific platforms that you'd recommend to people at this point for outcomes work? either in text or in graphics? Because we we all know that, you know, graphics are a very important uh, aspect of um, a, a lot of the outcome reports we see today. Yeah, so there are a few things that I think are interesting. Um, again, I don't know that we're completely there yet, but but graphics, I'm very interested in graphics. I'm very interested in, and if you have a story to tell, having a good graphic there that's sometimes hard to find, you know, mm. whether it's an icon, whether it's um, like a picture of a, of a type of patient, perhaps. And I'm kind of playing around with this a little bit in outcomes too. You know, we, we have a lot of uh, educational programs right now that are maybe a bit softer, right? A bit more on, on soft skills about communication, about shared decision-making, Etc. And then, you know, we do a pre-post survey where we say, you know, you, what do you do with like, maybe you have a patient case vignette and like, what do you do with this patient? And it's text-based. And it doesn't seem like it, a, a clinician would be able to, to type an answer to how they're approaching something the same way they would be like in a clinic where they're talking to somebody, right? So if you're teaching somebody have those communication skills, and then ask them to like answer a multiple choice question about whether or not they can do those communication skills. That doesn't line up to me. But say you have an animated something or, or you know, a patient that you present to them that, that kind of comes to you with a question that, you know, you can hear it from their mouth or you can, you can see a picture of someone. You might have a different response to that than you would a paragraph of text. So I'm interested in using some of these Gen AI tools to almost do these simulated patient types where you can, you know, have a script, you can have like a a pre-post question, you can ask them, like, you have this patient in front of you, they've got this problem, they ask you this question, you click on it, and it gives you a question, how would you respond to that question? 
Um, and then you can even get the Gen AI outcomes to, to help analyze some of that. It's, it's open-ended, it's qualitative. How many people use this term or this, this turn of phrase that, that you're really looking for? So I think there's a lot of possibility in that where you don't necessarily have to go out and hire an actor. You know, some some groups, we don't we don't have the ability to do that um, or it takes too long. We don't have a studio, but but you can maybe do something like this with some of the Gen AI techniques. Um, there's something like HeyGen, uh, which it allows text to recording. It's it's honestly, it's a little creepy, but um, you, you, you even can upload, I can upload a picture of my face and then upload a script and it would, it would talk like I'm talking just with the script. So there, there's some things there that are kind of cool and you can do some interesting things. Now, you know, it's not just the cases. Maybe I want to have a little talking head of myself, um, you know, explain an outcomes report. You know, we have 30 seconds. Uh, let's let's do an outcomes report explanation. And I'm I'm notoriously bad. I mean, we can tell right here. I, I kind of go back and forth. I jump around. But if I had a script and I made the the <laughs> G, the the Gen AI do it, it would go a lot faster. And I could you know don't have to take 50 different takes uh, to say a minute without slurring or uh, you know skipping words. So um, I think something like that is is great. Um, and and you can do a lot for free. You can do under a minute recordings for free with that. So I, I think there's there's a lot of capability there. Well, Greg, um, for what it's worth, I think you're doing a great job. Well, I appreciate it. You are um, really bringing our podcast listeners up to speed. You just mentioned a new platform I'd never heard of. I think you called it HeyGen. Yeah, HeyGen. H-E-Y-G-E-N. HeyGen. Okay. Um, there's a the few other... more. Um, there's, there's one that I've been playing with recently um, called Elicit AI, E-L-I-C-E-I-T AI, okay. um, which is a much better way to do lit review uh, searches. Um, you know, chat GPT, we talked oh, about- Oh no, say it isn't so. No, yeah. no, no. <laughs> so, so what it does is allows, it, it's, it's a smarter way to pull in, say like, and you can just type in, I want articles about this, like, you know, like give them to me. And it pulls in a lot of articles. I mean, you have to read it. You have to go through them, but it does summarize the articles for you and, you know, probably better than their own abstracts do. So tell me this, is there a platform that can uh, find out the punchline to this joke? <laughs> it might. Um, How many, you know, here's Microsoft the joke. is working every day. Here's the joke. How many CME writers does it take to change a light bulb? I think there are too many answers for that, but give, give me your best one. Ten. One to screw in the bulb and the other nine to review the literature on change. Yeah, I, I think that it, it kind of goes around the problems that, that we're having with ChatGPT and just getting all these weird references that didn't have anything to do with anything. It, it, it seemed exactly set up for this. And, you know, I know there's ways now with ChatGPT to almost create your own chat GPT. There's ways to kind of teach it. Like I need to do something, you know, I know Andy Krim has been playing with that lately. Um, I need to do something. Let's make our own chat GPT that handles that specific thing. The future is now, right? So, so everybody's going to come up with, with new things that will do that. And, and, but, but I think there's all these little applications and again, not familiar with all of them, but, but can help a little bit here and there. Um, Microsoft is also working on their own, um, AI, where, what is it, Copilot, that is going to start mm -hmm. being able to be introduced into their Excel, into their Word, and, and they say it's going to do things like 
you know, I want to know the means and standard deviations for this particular column, you just type that in. I want to know the means and standard deviations for column D, and it'll give it to you. So you don't have to you don't have to be an expert in this. To, to, you don't have to code, right? You don't have to know the formula to get that. You can do it if you know that. It's easy enough. But to be able to say words, you know, to express in a conversation what you want and have it spit out that, that's the goal. I think that's the goal with all of this is because what I look for in the future is, you know, we talked about, well, you just need a good data scientist, but we don't all have access to that. The, the demo... Democratization, democratization. Can I say is that a word? I don't even know if that's a word. Um, yes, it's definitely the democracy. A word. The democracy of data analysis. I think this is where what, what we're hoping to get to. In that, someone can say, "I just want to know. Give me a summary of what's out there." So, again, for someone like me who is in data analysis, it's a little scary. But the ability to talk to a computer and get it to plain words tell you what's going on with a set of data is pretty powerful. Agreed. Agreed. So Greg, can you tell us which Gen AI platforms you find yourself using the most these days? Yeah, that's a that's a great question because um, you know, I I've mentioned a few, I play around with a little bit. I think overall none of them are quite there yet, at least for the things that we do and, and how deep we like to get into the data. You know, we mentioned Microsoft Copilot. I think that one has possibly the highest potential um, because it's it's using it's in the same kind of work framework, et cetera, the, the that that we're currently using. I think anything that's that doesn't necessarily add some, a new site to go to, but but works within our current work environment is going to be the most powerful, at least for me. That's kind of how I see it. You know, I'm getting I'm getting older. I like to do the things the way I do them. Um, so so you know, in, anything that's incorporated in the types of workflows that I that I'm currently using is is great for me. Again, you know, I mentioned SPSS. It's an IBM product. They haven't mentioned anything yet as far as AI that I'm aware of. I'm sure that it's you know, within their, you know, what they're, what they're trying to get out. We use a lot of Qualtrics for data collection. Again, they don't really, they haven't talked about AI too much, but there are some, some different things that they're probably doing behind the scenes that I don't know about. So I, I imagine that I will have a lot more um, that I'll be working with perhaps in a year or two. Um, but right now I think it's, it's almost kind of, none of them are quite there yet. Okay. And if I hear you correctly in your, Regular work a day, nine to five world, you already use SPSS a lot and you use Qualtrics a lot. Did I hear you accurately saying that? As well as the, the typical Microsoft suite. Yes. Right. And you, you probably use a whole bunch of Excel, I'm guessing. Uh, so, and so a Gen I version of SPS, a Gen I assisted, Gen I enhanced version of SPSS, or a Gen I enhanced version of Qualtrics or something like that would be of great interest to you because it would kind of uh, help you uh, kind of keep doing what you're doing a little bit and not force you to kind of go back and learn a whole new set of tools uh, at this point. Right, because what I like to do is I like to ask, you know, and this is the thing I do is, you know, when I use ChatGPT is I ask it a question, you know, it, it kind of spits out an answer, but I like to put that answer back into my data set and play with that a little bit more. Again, I'm a very hands-on okay. data guy. So okay. if anything that works within the current workflow 
works for me because yeah. I like to add new variables. I like to play around with variables. I like to do, you know, do different cuts, ask it to do a regression on this, you know? So, so again, I'm very hands-on now, someone who's not at hands-on, they might just be like, I just need the means and the standard deviation, standard deviation and the effect size and I'm out. So that's great. And then that works for you. That's great. It just doesn't work for me. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. That helps me understand a little bit better because I can understand, I can imagine how, if you get an answer from an artificial intelligence engine, you're not going to want to stop there. You're going to want to keep probing. You're going to want to ask it a follow-up question, kind of like kind of like we've been doing on this interview, is a right. follow-up question and drill down and drill down. And for that, to have that artificial intelligence enter, uh, platform integrate seamlessly with software programs you're already using, like you mentioned, SPSS and Qualtrics, that's really going to make your workflow uh, simpler and make, make your life simpler. And that's the hope. Uh, yeah. okay. you know, we'll, we'll see. Now, I think you've already started to answer my next question, but when you were starting to talk about customizing chat GPT for kind of a mission related to ours or, or customizing other platforms to work best in a field related to ours. Uh, and also you mentioned uh, Microsoft Copilot's program, but here's my question. Uh, looking ahead, you know, three or four years in the future, what, if anything, excites you the most about Gen AI and its applications for reporting and analyzing outcomes? I think that's exactly it. I think being able to do data interpretation and analysis without knowing how to code, without, you know, spending a few years for a master's program, um, being able to to at least know what you want to know and get that out of a data set is, is one of the most powerful things that I think that AI can do. Do, do all that back-end coding for you, be able to possibly put together um, reports based on that, the way you want them to be put together. You know, uh, one of the big things in, in CME is sometimes we want to know what certain subsets of data look like. For instance, you have a large data set. It's like, okay, well, just show me the physicians. What do the physicians do? And there are ways to do that, obviously, in, in data analysis and coding, you've got to go in there, but you've got to make the groups, you've got to then do the sorting, you've got to do all that. But if you could just say, okay, I just want to look at, you know, oncology nurses versus oncology pharmacists, just do it without me having to go in there and, and do that data coding completely, uh, that, that's going to be the, the, the next big thing in, 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 our, uh, in our work. So, you know, all the data cleaning, all the statistics, like what's the best statistic for what I want to do? Just tell me. I don't I don't need to go look it up and have to read five different opinions about using t-tests or why I use a p-value or just, you know, just tell me what it is to do and I'll do it. Um, and, oh, actually, no, you do it. And then I'll, I'll look at it and I'll interpret it and I'll find out what's, in, what's, what's interesting, what's informative. It always will require a human element. I, I can't see at least you know, in the next decade or so, being able to completely rely on this, but to be given all the information, and then I can decide what's important. I can decide what's important to the stakeholders. I can put together a report. You can do the hard work, AI, but I can decide what goes in it. That That's that's what's exciting to me. Okay. Well, and I want to just mention here one way that you've already expanded my horizons and helped me to imagine a future uh, uh, how CME CPT is going to be different in the future uh, with a, a Gen AI is this idea of developing potentially a um, animated patient case scenario using some of the image uh, production capabilities of artificial intelligence and perhaps using that 
we're getting actually into content development here as opposed to outcomes analysis. And we're kind of technically crossing the boundary of the, the topic we were supposed to talk about uh, on this interview. But in any case, the idea of using these image generation engines to uh, develop art, artwork and illustrations, including potentially patients for uh, uh, interactive case scenarios. So that's that's really great. Thank you, Greg, for doing that. Well, I would say that it's 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 also an outcomes. I think if if it is in content generation, you need to have something similar to that to assess how that content worked. Yeah. So yeah. if you can yeah. have that within the outcome, you know, you can have a very similar case, make it a little different. Um, right. But 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 I, I think it's it's all it's all. I mean, outcomes is content. Um, yeah. Amen. I, yeah. <laughs> especially since we're in this world of pre to post, right? And yeah. and. Uh, if you're, you know, you can't change too many variables pre to post. You have to have the content be pretty similar in order to have a meaningful measurement of change, right? I mean, I'm thinking. It, it, it needs to be at least related, yes. Yeah, yeah, okay. All right. So let's switch gears and talk about what worries us, what scares us, what keeps us up at night. Uh, what worries you the most about Gen AI and the outcome space uh, coming going forward here in the next few years? couple things. Um, so if we're talking about animation, we're talking about images, well, obviously that image and that animation has to come from somewhere. Did it come from an artist whose, whose materials were just, you know, uploaded unknown to them or at some point, you know, where did those rights come from? Where does it, where, how do we make sure that where that art is attributed to? I don't want that to go away. I don't want you know, people to be out of work and out of the creative work because they're being sub supplanted. Before we go any up. further, Art, Greg, let me just thank you. Thank you, Greg, for saying that. Because as a creative professional, uh, <laughs> that means a lot to us. So keep going. <laughs> yeah. So, so AI, as it stands right now, cannot be creative. So it's it's all, all these things that are creative is getting it from something. So what is it getting yeah. it from? And I think to be open about that, and certainly there are open access types of things. There are clip arts. There are you know things that are that have that license you know to be used. I just want to make sure it's that and not something else that's being used. I think that that is worrisome. Obviously, the capabilities for what we want to do with AI aren't there. They're not there right now, at least, especially in the free version, you know, for the average user. When we're talking about Copilot, you know, I don't know what they said, something like 20 to $50 per month per user, in addition to, you know, whatever else you're paying for Word or, you know, all those things. Yeah. So, so it's not something, you know, everybody can just kind of pick up and 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 start using. This is something that's a, it's a major investment. It might even be more than that. You know, that might be low. So, you know, just the intro price to get you hooked. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that's something just to be aware of that, that, that it's not right now, we're not, we're not there. You know, even if AI is generating analysis and reporting, someone has to make sense of it. Um, someone has to interpret that data. Someone has to determine, you know, what's important, what's clinically relevant. You know, I, I know that there's a lot, even even in clinical medicine, talking about, well, let's just use AI instead of a primary care physician or something like that. You know, that's an extreme example, but it's something that people have talked about. Um, it's like, sure, if you want to follow the guideline, you know, exact by exact, yeah, you know, maybe AI could do that, but would it be responsible for if that goes wrong? You know, what what's happening? There are always these risk cases and and side cases that don't really line up with what you want to do. So. I wouldn't rely on anything an open AI tells me uh, to do as far as data interpretation without really looking at it. Well, you just mentioned a key word in my world anyway. Uh, you used the R word, which is responsibility. 
And it's kind of hard to hold a computer responsible in the same way that you might hold an individual human being or a corporation responsible. You know, let's talk a few more worries because I mean, you know, already outcomes has a template problem, you know, that, that it's sometimes, you know, you get these outcomes reports and they're, they're in this template and this it's okay. It's, you know, oh, this is an overworked outcomes employee um, that, that keeps putting these in templates, but does that really tell you how well an, an education works? Or is all education created the same to then have this template? And then you have AI doing it, that's just going to be another template. So it just goes back to that interpretation and finding what's meaningful. Lastly, I think we have to think about publications because any publication, any kind of outcomes you do has a potential to be published. And there are so many different you know, regulations from some of the, uh, the, the manuscripts, some of the journals um, about how you use AI in, in a publication. So just be aware if it's something that you're considering you know, publishing, be aware that there are probably some regulations around how you're using uh, these Gen AIs. Yeah, that's a really great point. It's a really great point. Greg, there's been a, a question in the back of my mind uh, that I wanted to pose to you uh, in your capacity as president of CE Outcomes and, uh, and in your capacity as an employer. And that is, you know, employers spend a lot of time investing in their workforces, uh, bring, pe bringing people on, training them, uh, retaining them. And um, my question at this point is, what messages are you sending to your workforce to reassure them that they'll still have a job in a year or two, uh, despite the, the many capabilities of Gen AI? Currently, I'm not worried about that at all. I, I think that um, the way that, that Gen AI is right now, it you know, it's going to be good if it's not quite there yet at data analysis and, and kind of cranking out numbers. What it hasn't shown to me, and I don't really see the capacity of this, is data interpretation, knowing what to do with data, knowing what to recommend, having that background in education and that the familiarity with the space to say that based on this data, here's what you need to do, or here's kind of that next step in outcomes. I, I see Gen AI almost like I, I see maybe pulling in a summer intern where they have the ability to do what is asked of them. They don't really know the space very well, but they know how to do a particular task. Um, but they don't know how to do too much more than that. Um, they, they can do what you ask. They can get you back some information. They probably weren't, aren't going to go by themselves and, and create something and, and come back to you with that. So as far as our staff goes, I, you know, they're involved as much as, as I am and in, in trying to understand the Gen AI space and how it helps their jobs too. So if we can make their jobs faster and make, make their jobs easier and cut out some of that busy work and make and allow them to spend their time thinking and interpreting, that's, that's only going to help us in the long run. Okay, great. Thank you. Like what you hear on the Alliance podcast? Visit almanac.acehp.org to read the latest continuing professional development news and insights. Visit today to get informed and inspired. Well, Greg, thank you so much for joining me for today's discussion. Uh, do you have any more, any final words of wisdom or caution uh, to share with our audience? I think I've I've hit the caution pretty hard, but I, I you know, I it, it seems to me that it's only going to get more useful. You know, it's not going away. So I think we just have to embrace it. You know, in the data world, in the outcomes world. 
and, and use the tools that we have to use. Again, 15 years ago, when I first started, you just looking at some of those PowerPoints back then, uh, completely different than what they are now. You know, you think of it as just, you know, it's a white slide. What could, what could we do differently? Completely different now than how, how we're presenting the data, how we're telling the story of outcomes. How will Gen I help us in the next 15 years? I, I can't even, I can't even guess. I, I'm sure that our uh, stories and our, um, the way we're telling these stories is going to be completely different. Great. Well, thank you. Thank you, Greg. And thank you to our listeners for joining us for this podcast mini-series on generative AI and its uses across the healthcare CPD space. For even more education on Gen AI and healthcare CPD, be sure to register to join us for the Alliance 2024 Annual Conference taking place February 5 through 8 in New Orleans, Louisiana. You can visit acehp.org slash annual dash conference to secure your spot and view the full program including sessions from Greg and myself. And Greg, why don't you just say a few words about this session that you're going to be offering? Sure. So we're starting with a pre-conference session. Myself and Andy Bowser are going to be talking about the kinds of the same things we just talked about today on this uh, podcast, um, but we're going to be doing a little bit more hands-on. So we're going to help people through like what prompts to use, how do we get an outcomes report from data, um, what, what types of things can we do, and what kinds of things we probably shouldn't do. Um, in addition, a few more sessions during the, the, uh, the, the conference, we have a basic outcome session, like how do you take data right from Excel sheet to a very basic report? Um, how do we, and then and we have a more advanced outcome session as well. So we're going to be talking about some, some more detailed things for, for those advanced users. Um, in addition, myself and Brian McGowan will be talking about uh, some OSP updates and, and where we should go for uh, outcome standardization in the next five years. Wow. Okay. Sounds like you're going to be busy down in New Orleans. That's great. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for that uh, that overview of uh, what we can expect uh, in regard to outcomes uh, uh, down in uh, New Orleans. And uh, I guess we'll see you there. Will do. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Alliance podcast, Continuing Conversations. If you enjoyed this episode, remember to rate, review, and subscribe to stay updated on future releases. In the meantime, we invite you to access our wealth of continuing professional development content on the Almanac at almanac.acehp.org. Until next time.